Welcome back to another episode of the Creekside Podcast. Tune in each week with Drew and James to hear a relevant conversation about a biblical topic. Thanks for joining. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Creekside Podcast. I'm James. I'm Drew. And we are talking about the church. This is episode number nine. If you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to the other episodes, make sure you do that. There's a lot of really good content where we talk about what the church is, what membership of the church is, um, and what all that means. So go back and watch those. It'll add uh, some depth into what we're going to be talking about today, which is how can I know I'm at the right church? How can I know that I'm in the right church, I should say? Yes, in more than at, because <laughs> the church is a body. It's a people that meets in a place most yeah, of the place. time, but the, the church is not coextensive with the geographical location. So how can I know I am in the right church? I'm a Thank part you. of the right body. Uh, and I think this is an important question because just there's so many churches. I mean, good grief, there's just so many denominations. Yeah. Um, there's so many different feels of church and different types of church, and some people will say, hey, I'm not going to go to a church unless it feels like this or looks like this. Yeah. I'm just afraid that we have, in the church conversation, made unimportant things the most important things, that we made the minors to be the majors rather than saying, no, are the, are the most important things the most important things? And so um, I, I kind of have four diagnostic questions for asking, am I in the right church? Or you might put this another way, should I leave my local church? You know, mm-hmm. hey, I've got some some difficulties, some struggles, some things that are things going on, behind, you know, that are not so good. Um, maybe I know some things about the leadership that I didn't know when I joined, all that kind of stuff. Um, how can I know I'm in the right church? Well, first question I would ask, and I think this is the, the most important question, is what are they preaching? Yeah. What is the content of the preaching on Sunday morning? Now, you might say, why, why would you reduce the whole life of a church based to, to like a 30-minute hour session on Sunday morning based just on the preaching? A couple of reasons. Uh, one, the New Testament tells us the church is built by the preaching of the gospel. Uh, that's, that's the way that God has ordained the church is going to be built. The world's going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. That's going to be done primarily by the church being faithful to the task given to them by Jesus, which is preaching the gospel. That happens primarily, it happens in other places, surely, happens primarily on Sunday mornings during your Sunday morning gathering, or if you meet on Sunday afternoon, evening during that time too. In our part of the world, it's primarily Sunday morning. Culturally, that's the time. So that amount of time, that 30 to 45 minutes, that hour, that is going to be the engine of the rest of the church. So if the gospel is being preached at that point in time, if the the message of what Christ has done for us on the cross is is front and center, if the if the pastor is preaching expositional sermons, so he's preaching through books of the Bible. He's not just preaching his favorite verses. Um, He's not just preaching topical messages every week, but he's actually trying to give the people of God the Word of God. Then you're in a really good spot, I would say, from the outset. Um, If, you know, and that's to be said if, hey, maybe the music is terrible. The music leader, he's off pitch. Um, You know, maybe, maybe they pick really good songs, 
but they just don't have the capacity to carry them out. Yeah. I think in our world, people would be more concerned about the quality of the music than they would be about the quality of the preaching. Yeah. Um, and that's just, that's uh, really sad in a lot of ways. And I say this as a preacher and as a musician, all yeah. right? So I'm not, like, I'm not one of those guys that thinks music is unimportant. Like, you know, I, I, I am a musician. I, I play music, um, all those kinds of things. But I'm also a preacher, and I know that one of those things is far more important than the yeah. other. And having a church that gets that and grasps that, uh, I think I think it's huge. Having a pastor who gets that and grasps that, I think is huge. Just for an example, uh, one thing that's pretty common in it has been common in the past 10 or so years, maybe more than that, is the idea of a video venue, like a video church. And so the idea of this would be that someone would go and rent a space or a facility, and at that facility there would be a, they would say, a gathering of a church or a campus, and at that campus there would be live worship that would be played by musicians but then a big screen would pop up or you know there would be on the projector screen whatever and the preaching would be broadcast i always thought that was so strange and so interesting because i never saw when this was really popular and it's become less popular i never saw the opposite i never saw music being piped in and the preaching being live i almost always saw it the other way around so like it was weird for the musical worship portion of the of the the time together of the gathering to be piped in from a different location like hey these musicians are somewhere in you know in another part of the state and there are a couple cities over and they're going to perform over there we're going to watch that from our you know from our location and then the preacher's going to come and preach at this location you never I, i've never seen that i don't know if you have no. uh, so I, I just i just look at that and i think that's really really interesting and that tells me mm-hmm. that's that in that particular church they might not say this with their with their statement of faith or with their doctrine but at least in their practice they're demonstrating one of those things is more important than the other it's more important that we have well-tuned and refined musicians than it is that we have a, a a flesh and blood preacher here, okay? And I'm I'm all for, and I think everyone's all for, hey, live music, live right. preaching in every case and every. And I'm not saying that God can't use that in certain missional contexts or things like that. Um, but the idea that's there is is that the the music is more important than the preaching. That's not the case. The most important thing at your church is what your preacher is saying from the pulpit. Um, I'm going to say full stop right there. That's the most important thing. And what what I'm going to say is the idea of expositional preaching, that is preaching verse by verse, um, that is preaching that gives a, a... portion of text and then explains and applies the meaning of that text to a particular congregation. This is our practice here at Creekside. Um, that's not to say I don't ever preach a topical message um, or a message on a particular topic or won't do a particular series on a topic or something like that. I might preach something like the Apostles' Creed, is something I've thought about preaching through line by line because every line of the Apostles' Creed is backed up by the scripture is what the scripture teaches. There's not anything in there that's extra biblical in that sense. I've thought about preaching through our church's confession of faith or statement of faith, something along those lines. I've preached a series on the church before, even here at Creekside. And I think all those are good, good things. I think it's good for a church every now and again to preach on perhaps a culturally sensitive topic like 
like marriage or like sexuality mm-hmm. or something like that. But the primary diet of the church should be an expository diet. That is a, a diet that goes through passages of Scripture, hopefully through books of the Bible, explaining clearly what that text means and what that text means for that local church. And I think the wisdom in doing that is, one, that you're giving your people more than just what you already know. So whenever I come to a text, my goal there is not to tell them what I know about this text, but tell them what this text actually says. And those are two different things. What I find is that if you're doing a lot of topical preaching, if you're doing a lot of topical teaching, you're really using the the Scripture as a way to support what you already think rather than letting the Scripture dictate what it is you're supposed to think about a particular text. The second thing is you get to say stuff you wouldn't normally get to say. I mean, if you're preaching through verse by verse through the gospel or through one of Paul's letters, you're going to have to talk about some things that you would probably avoid otherwise if you weren't preaching through verse by verse. And if we believe that all the Bible is God's Word, shouldn't we give it uh, the, the kind of uh, place it desire, the place it you know deserves in our worship mm-hmm. service that we preach it and teach it boldly without apologizing for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I love one of the things that we focus on here at Creekside is that <clears throat> everything is worship. Yeah, in the service, you know, when we're reading the scriptures or when we're singing the songs or when the word is being preached, it's all worship. Yeah. You know, communion as well. Communion. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all an act of worship. It's yeah. all worship, and so uh, I think a lot of times we unfortunately have turned worship into just the time that we're doing music, right? You know, and so unfortunately, I think that's one reason when people are like, well, this is very important. This is our worship time. Like we're worshiping right now. It's like, well, no, this is also worship. Yeah, this is you know, and it's, so it's short sighted. It it's most a, definitely it's a, it creates an either or rather than a both and. Yeah, um, and I think I think that's important. So. How do you know you're in the right church? What are they preaching? Are they preaching the Bible? Are they preaching the gospel? Are they applying it to the life of the people in the church? Are they mm-hmm. are they telling you how you might know Christ that 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 week or know Christ in that trial? Are they telling you how you might trust Christ this week? Uh, is, right. is Christ and Him crucified the message coming from that pulpit, or is it something else? That's the first thing. Second thing um, is if their preaching seems to be solid. The second thing I would ask is what are they practicing? Because you can undo right preaching with wrong practice. Yeah. So, for example, the pastor from the pulpit might might be saying that, um, let me give a, a large example here. Um, let me give the example that um, the, the office of elder is reserved or given to men. You know that's a that's a I think that's a clear teaching of Scripture. I think First Timothy chapter three, Titus chapter two clearly says that the office of elder is an office that men in the church are are meant to fill. It's meant there there's not to be a woman elder in the church. Okay, so if the pastor is preaching that clearly from the pulpit, but the church has elders that are women, okay, at at best we have confusion, I would mm-hmm. say. You know, and maybe maybe the pastor has come into a church and he's trying to lead the church in a more biblically healthy direction. Mm-hmm. The question there is going to be, okay, is is the pra- does the practice of this church reflect the preaching of this church? Uh if if the church is, it might be confused at best, it might be sinister or unbiblical at worst, you know, yeah. that idea that they're they're embracing this idea of sin. I'm trying to get I'm trying to give a pretty large example, but there might be some other ways that this that this works itself out. Uh maybe from the from the pulpit they preach that 
you know, Christ, we're saved by grace through faith and we're saved by Christ alone. But maybe in a small group, you hear the idea articulated that if you're not baptized, then you can't be a Christian or right. that it's baptism that saves you or that if you don't take communion, then you're, then you're not a Christian or something like that. I doubt you'd hear that in right. a church where that kind of preaching is being proclaimed, yeah. uh, but it's just something to consider. Does their practice match what they, what they preach? And so with that, um, if, the, if the preaching the gospel is the most important thing, the other side of the coin here is does the practice of the church protect the preaching of the gospel? Yeah. And I would, I would say that it makes Sunday morning the most important time for the family out of the week. That's another way. Does, does, is your church so busy that it crowds out opportunities for the gospel to be preached. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I've heard of possibility. You know, I've heard heard different different churches in, in different times. Uh, for example, this year Christmas falls on a Sunday. It's you know December twenty fifth is a Sunday, and I've heard of you know churches in the past that said, hey, because of this, we're just not going to have church on Sunday um, because Christmas falls on on a Sunday. And I just think about that, and I think about the practice. What does that communicate? Well, it communicates that Christmas is culturally more important than what's going on on a Sunday morning as the Lord's Day. It's the preaching the gospel. I look at it and I say, what a great opportunity to preach the gospel. Now, I'm not saying, I I know we're going to have church on Christmas. You know, people are going to be out of town. People are going to be visiting with their family, all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that if you're visiting family, if you're not at your home church on a Sunday morning, that you're not a Christian. Like, that's not at all what I'm saying. But does your church protect... Or do they practice protecting the preaching of the gospel? Does their practice line up with that idea? Or are church members so busy, um, you know, with with Christmas Eve services and Christmas week stuff and community outreach events that they're actually too exhausted to be able to participate on Sunday morning? That's a question you want to ask. That's about that's not really an issue of sin. Right. It's more of a category of wisdom there. Um, and so, and I, I mean. Different churches are, are different for, for different kinds of reasons, but a, a healthy church is going to prioritize the preaching of the gospel. They're, they're going to say Sunday mornings are the time where we proclaim and preach the gospel because if you don't protect that time, if the gospel isn't clear, clearly preached and proclaimed during that time, there's going to be adverse side effects to that, no matter how well-intentioned the other things that the church is taking on, the other church that the church is practicing no matter how well-intentioned those things are, there are going to be side effects from that if that time of preaching is not protected by their practice. you have yeah. any thoughts or clarifications on that? Well, I do, actually. I was thinking about the fact that we're all human and people are going to fail. There's going to be times in every single church where you're going to figure out, oh, hey, we're preaching this, but you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You didn't practice that. And I don't think that that's a good reason to leave your church. That's a good reason to go to your brother, like we talked Absolutely. about in the yeah. membership, and say, hey, that's not what we pre- preach. Like That's not how we're supposed to do this. And you know, come together and say, out of love and in gentleness and say, this is how I think that we should take care of it. And And hopefully fix the issue versus just avoid it and get away from the issue. I, I think that's exactly right. And I love what you said there. You said, hey, this is not what we preach, right? So your preaching always informs your practice. Mm-hmm. You're going to your brother and saying, hey, what is preached in the Bible, what is said from the Scripture does not line up with what we're practicing. So maybe a better way to say it is not what does your church practice, but does your church attempt to practice what is preached? Because yeah. no church is going to actually measure up to its preaching. You know, 
if it does, again, that's a perfect church and don't join it because yeah. you, that, because then you'll mess it up. <laughs> um, so we just want to be, I would mess it up too, you know, not to throw stones. Um, but does their practice intend to measure up to their preaching? Does, does is, is, Are those two things correlated or are they two totally divorced divorce things from one another? Um, the, the next thing I would ask, how do you know you're in the right church? If their preaching is biblical and their practice aims at that biblical preaching, that biblical ideal of preaching, Third thing I would ask is, how are they led? Um, what does the church leadership look like? Who leads and runs the church? And, and why do those individuals or that individual lead and run the church? I'm going to steer you away from a few things. One, I'm going to steer you away from a cult of personality where there is one leader and whatever he or she says goes. Um, I, I think you find over and over and again, in, in, even in Scripture and even in church history, that when you prop up one leader as supreme and that leader is not Jesus, that doesn't really go well. That's yeah. not to say you shouldn't love your pastor. That's not right. to say that the, you know your pastor shouldn't um, be be honored, you know, in his in his in his work and in his ministry and that kind of. You shouldn't talk down to your pastor and say, "Hey, pastor, I'm not trying to put you above Jesus. I'm going to talk down to you." Right? Any of those things, you should respect and honor your pastor for what what he does. But at the same time, it should always be very clear who we're there to meet with that day, and it's not the pastor. Yeah. You know, it's 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 Jesus Christ. How are they led? Uh, you know, I believe the Bible Bible to teach that a church should be led by a group of elders, a plurality of elders. Uh, that it's plural leadership, that leadership doesn't let rest on one man's shoulders, but it rests on a group of people to lead the direction of that church, and that those people are accountable to the congregation, that yeah. the congregation has the right to install their leaders. Um, because if they are being led in a direction they don't want to go in, they have the opportunity to speak into that and to change that, rather than I know that there are some uh, denominations that choose you know, or, or would move certain leaders around based on, you know, based on a number of factors without the church really getting to have any say in it whatsoever. I'm going to say that's not really a healthy form of leadership. Another thing to consider is leadership that is, you know, prominent in the church, but it's not formal. So what you might find is that, yes, the church has a pastor, and yes, maybe the church has associate pastors, and maybe those churches, maybe those pastors are really godly men. Maybe they're really good guys. But... There's a long-standing member in this church, and what stays or what goes in that church doesn't really depend on what the pastor thinks, but what this particular member thinks or what this particular group of members thinks. Um, that can be a, a real opportunity for there to be difficulty in the church because pastors are called to lead the church. Um, and so if you have a pastor that's authority is always being questioned and always, always being challenged, um, I think there might be some things to be rooted out in the church or some things to be addressed in that church. So to ask the question, who who runs the church and why do they run the church? Who gets to mm -hmm. determine the direction for the church? Is it a godly, qualified elder, pastor, plurality of plurality of men, guys who are held accountable, um, guys who... Uh, work work with one another to see that the church is built up, or is there kind of this power struggle between the pastor and the people? Mm -hmm. That's not a healthy situation. That's not something I would I would encourage people to to get behind. Even if the the preaching is is wonderful, even if the practice of the church seems to be good, if the church isn't led in a healthy and a biblical way, I'm I'm going to ask I'm going to ask some more questions that are that are going to be present there. Now that's not to be said that every church is going to be 100% led according to a, a biblical ecclesiology. But what I'm finding more and more is that pastors are trying to get to that point. Even yeah. if they see like, hey, 
we don't have, maybe right now we don't have a plurality of elders. Right now we don't have uh, deacons who operate in a service role, but rather operate in more in an administrative role. I, I find a lot, a lot of the time, if you have a conversation with pastor and you ask them, are you moving in this direction? A lot of times they say, yes, we're trying to move in that way to where we have these biblical ideals. And I think there's been a recovery of this idea of a of an elder model of leadership, uh, especially in Baptist churches recently, mm-hmm. a healthy Baptist ecclesiology. Um, so asking those kinds of questions, is the church being led well? Are the, past, do the, are the pastors qualified according to 1 Timothy chapter 3? If you can't answer that question with a yes... Um, then again, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask some other questions about the church. Um, now, that, that might be said. That that being said, um, you might not be able to answer that question firmly with a yes. But you find that the church's preaching and the church's practice are are, are really strong. Yeah. Um, I, again, I'm going to urge you with some caution about the question of how they're being led, um, but there might be some good reasons for you to still say, or for you to still stay at that church, or for you to still um, be involved with that church, um, even even if some of these things aren't picture perfect. Does yeah. that raise any questions for you? Yeah, no, I think that it's really good to hear this though, because I, I as just like as a layman, someone that hasn't studied scripture nearly as much as you have, not knowing what the Bible says about how a church should be led. Uh, I think we can come into a church and just go, oh, I guess this is what it's supposed to be like. Yeah. You know, So knowing that that's one of the questions that we should ask ourselves and then knowing how that that should look is very helpful. Yeah. So what are they preaching? That's the most important thing. What are they practicing? You know, is, is their preaching influence and inform their practice? Third thing, how are they led? And again, your preaching is going to inform both how your both your practice and your leadership and your leadership's going to inform your practice as well. The last thing here and this is I think the most um experiential thing is how do they love? Yeah. How does the church love one another? Do members of the church love other members of the church and do members of the church love new members of the church? You know, cuz it's really easy to love people that you have a long-standing relationship with, but are is your church able to love new people and what does that love look yeah. look like what does it look like to be enfolded into the body of believers there at, at your at your church and so for us we we try to make a priority here at Creekside that when we have new members that they are known that they, hey these are new new members new new members of the family that have been grafted in here and yeah. so take the opportunity to you know, write them a letter, introduce yourself, and tell them how glad you are that they're that they're here. Take the opportunity to give them a phone call, take them out to lunch, and just you know get to hear their story. Those kinds of things, um, I, I think that that pays dividends in the long run yeah. um, for the for the love that we're meant to have as Christians, one for another. Um, that's definitely a question I would ask. How do they love each other? How do they care about each other? What what is it? What does it look like to be a member at this church? Um, is the idea of the membership? mostly positive, or is it kind of, yeah, I'm here at this church in spite of the membership? Um, those that those are going to raise some red flags for me. But let me, let me say this. If the preaching is biblical, the practice is aimed at a biblical ideal, if the leadership is biblical and there's love in that church, you're in the right church. Amen. You don't need to. You don't need to constantly look at what at what the church around the corner is doing. Mm-hmm. All those kinds of things. And maybe I maybe I seem to have set the bar high here, um, but I don't think I've set the bar in things that we typically look at whenever we go to a church. Um, whenever we look at what you know what a church is about, the attractiveness right. of the church. Um, really, if we can answer those four questions with a firm yes, then we have every reason to be able to say this is the kind of church I want to 
commit to, I want to submit to, I want to be involved in, I want to serve. And I, I think you could say that if a church is is doing these things, practicing these ideals, if you're discerning all these things to be true, that's going to be a church you're going to grow in your love for the Lord and your love for the saints at. Um, there are good reasons to leave a church, mm-hmm. but most of the time I find the reasons people leave churches um, are not really good and biblical ones. They, they do happen. Um, they certainly do happen. Yeah. Um, but but we just want to be careful about that. And I, I was really, you know, was it was influenced in this way by uh, by my parents. Actually, um, we were a part of a good sized church for a number of years. And when I was pretty young, uh, this was this was you know I, I was probably still in grade school. Our church went through a terrible, terrible turmoil time, uh, t- tumultuous time. Um, the pastor, you know, there were some accusations made. There was this kind of fractured leadership structure where the pastor was on one side, the deacons were on the other side. Uh, there, there was a, a difficulty that was present there. The pastor ended up uh, being voted out by the congregation, uh, I believe, if my memory serves me correct. I was young. I remember, again, um, don't remember everything with perfect clarity, but there was this huge turmoil in the church, and so people just left, you yeah. know, and who could blame them? You know, it was really difficult. Um, and a lot of my friends who I went to church with, they left, and finally, uh, one day, I, I, either I overheard this conversation or this conversation was was had between my, my mom and my dad, and I specifically remember my dad saying, if we leave this church just because we didn't get our way, that's no different than whenever you take your ball over to the boy's house down the street and you don't get your way and you said, I'm taking my ball, I'm taking my toys, and I'm going home. You know, and just thinking about how like immature that would be. We would never encourage our children to act that way when they didn't get their way if they were yeah. playing with a friend down the street. Why do we encourage that kind of behavior and that activity uh, in the local church? And, you know, my parents, certainly they would tell you they weren't perfect parents. You know, me and my brother, we would tell you they weren't perfect parents. But that has stuck with me for my whole life. They're still members of that church. They've been with it through its highs and through its lows. They've seen they've seen wonderful moves of God. They've seen times of, you know, maybe almost you could say despair in those early days whenever they were in the middle of that tumultuous time. Uh, but I think I think they're they're better for it. They're not worse off for sticking through um, through all those difficulties. I think they I would think I would say they're better for it because of their commitment to the church. So um, and because it was a place where by and large they wanted to preach the gospel, practice the gospel. Um, they wanted to be the, the leadership wanted to lead them in the right way, and there was a lot of love there. So yeah. we want to be mindful of those kind of those four categories when you're looking for what you might call, quote-unquote, the right church. Um, there's no perfect church, so get that out of your mind. Um, but there, there are a lot of churches that are doing what God's called them to biblically and, uh, and seeking to honor Him in that way. You want to look for faithfulness in a church more so than you want to look for a flash in the pan. Yeah, yeah, man, this has been very eye-opening. Lots of great questions, well, four great questions to ask yourself uh, to find out if you're in the right church. Um, any final thoughts before we end the episode? Yeah, I mean, I just want to encourage you. If you're in a church and it's hard right now, um, you know, I, I'd I'd love to pray for you. Um, I, you know, if you can, you can let me know. I'd be I'd be happy to pray for you. Have a conversation with you about how you might be, and if it's not particularly encouraging, uh, maybe there are some things you could do to make the church to be a more encouraging yeah. place. Um, I'd love to help you with that. But I just want to encourage you that 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 faithfulness and staying in the same place for a long time yields better results in the long run. Um, I think that's I think that's one thing I could say that if you can stick with a situation that might be hard for a season, 
Um, if you can answer all these questions affirmatively, that they're preaching mm-hmm. the gospel and they're seeking to practice the right thing, um, I, I would I would encourage you to see how you might be an agent of change rather than something that yeah. um, rather than needing to get away and find something else, um, finding else for something something else for your family. Let me let me just say this: the the three the three diagnostic questions I ask people um, whenever they um, ask me if they should leave the church. There are three things I usually ask them. I say. Are you being fed? How are, how is your wife? How are your kids? Those are usually the three questions I ask. And the first question: Are you being fed from the pulpit? You know, that's that's the idea that the idea of preaching there. Um, and there's two reasons people don't get fed from the pulpit. One is because they're not being served anything. The second is because they won't pick up the knife and fork and eat. Mm-hmm. So some of the time, it's the pastor's not really putting much meat on the table. Yeah. Other times. It's because they're not willing to pick up the knife and fork and eat. The second question is related to that. How's your wife doing? If they answer if they answer question one with, meh, not so great, and ask, how's your wife doing? If they say, well, my wife's doing great. You know, she she loves the church. There's, there's people in the church that are, you know, serving her and serve our kids. I would say, then you're probably in a pretty good place, you know, if your wife's doing well. But they answer question one with, meh, and then question two is not good. I say, okay, it's, it might be time to go. It might be time yeah. to lead your family somewhere else. The third thing I ask is related to the first two is how your kids doing. Um, are, you, are your kids being influenced by the ministry? Do your kids have a positive perspective of the gathering of the church because of your involvement there, or is it negative in, in that way? Because you only have so much time to train your children um, in, in what it looks exactly. like to, to, be a, to be a faithful follower of the Lord. Um, if every Sunday is a drudge, not for them, but for dad and for mom, yeah. I would really question what what's going on and what kind of spiritual effect that's going to have uh, in the long run. If you can joyfully attend an imperfect church with your family, do it. Yeah. But if you can't joyfully, if you can't rejoice in the gospel on a, on a Sunday morning with your family, I want to ask some hard questions about what's going on there and see what's diagnostically what more more of what's going on. But I would say more often than not, if your pastor is preaching the gospel, if he's putting meat on the plate. Then you need to stay at that church more yeah. often than not, because that's going to directly influence the how your wife's doing and how your children are doing. So, Most definitely. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I think being in the right church is obviously one of the most detrimental things that we can do. I I, I look being at being the wrong church is detrimental. Being the right I'm church sorry. is positive. I yeah. said it backwards. Right. <laughs> yes. So I look at it from a um, a standpoint of I, I worked really hard on my career, right? Yeah. And one of my mentors uh, was. We actually was in a, a speech that he'd done. He was talking about what you need to get around you to build your career and to be success, successful. And one of the things he talked about was the people that you want to be around need to be successful, yeah. uh, that you can you can talk to them. And then other people you want to be around are those who are in the same spot as you so that they can you can talk about your struggles together. Um, and so coming at it from that standpoint, sure. knowing that you what's being preached is what's biblical, uh, that they're practicing that biblical preaching, um, and it's led well, and that they lead with love. You know, yeah. and the church has love. Like knowing those four questions is to me, it's like that. Yeah, am I plugged into the right place so that I am getting fed spiritually enough? And and I only get this live once, right? And I want to make sure that right. I do it right. Yeah. Um, and so, and it is, it's a taste of what heaven's going to be right. like in That's the exactly end. Right. So, yeah. very exciting stuff. I know churches have their struggles. And so next we, week, we certainly do here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> next week, we're going to talk about struggles. Uh, it's not always butterflies and rainbows. Yeah. 
Uh, so, yeah, anyways, any other thoughts, anything you want to say? No, thanks for everyone who's listening and Absolutely. following along with us. Thank you, James, for uh, helping out with this time. Yeah, thank you for bringing it out to us and, and educating us and uh, also uh, just being here uh, for questions and prayer yeah, and all absolutely. that stuff. Yeah, so we'll see you guys next time right here on the Creekside Podcast. Yeah.